0: Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Welcome home, PCC. Good morning. It is so good to be with you today. I have a question for you, and it's okay if you haven't heard of this because a lot of people haven't heard of this. Have you ever heard of the word bull taco? Right? It's a little bit out there. Well, it's actually the name of a Spanish motorcycle that was made from the 50s to about the 80s. So about mid-80s, they went out of business. Well, I found uh, that I actually purchased a Bull Taco at one time from a friend of mine. Had this longtime friend, and his name was Charlie. And I went over to Charlie's house, and I asked him if he had any project bikes, and we pulled this rusty... Frozen engine, did not run, hadn't run for 30 years, this bike out of his shed. And I said, Charlie, I'm really, I'm, I would love to buy this bike and turn it into a project, but would you help me rebuild the engine? And he said, sure, I'll help you do that. Now, Charlie had raced bikes. He'd raced bikes for over 20 years, and every year he would rebuild the engines on his bikes. So he had three race bikes, and every year, whether it was, you know, it was always run, usually running, but he would always break down those engines, make sure everything looked great, and put it all back together again to get ready for the next season of races. He never wanted to find out that his bikes wouldn't run when he needed them to run. Well, it it, it turns out, I had even talked to other people in just acquiring parts that I needed for this bike, and I remember I was referred to this guy, and this guy's name, you know, this guy's name was Sheephead. So I guess in the motorcycle world, you get nicknames. I imagine Sheephead to be kind of a wooly looking guy. (laughs) Well, Sheephead actually told me, he said, one time I was in a race with Charlie because I told him about Charlie helping me with this bike. And he said, I was in a race with Charlie and we both had the same bike, but he took off so fast that I felt like I was going backwards. I didn't realize that Charlie was somewhat legendary. He was just a friend of mine that sold me this rusty bike. Well, as we went through this project, we started to work on the engine, and we took it apart, and we were putting bearings in and, uh, you know, cleaning it all out and, you know, fixing it, repairing it. Uh, Charlie, Char- I, w- I would make suggestions along the way, and I'd say, hey, Charlie, and I don't, I don't have a lot of experience with bikes, but I'd say, hey, Charlie, uh, we need to get that bearing in. Should I just shove it in there? And he'd say, no, Scott, why don't you take this torch and you can heat up the aluminum because aluminum expands when you heat it up. And then when you heat it up, you know, I'd hit it with the torch and I'd drop this bearing and it'd just sink in super easily. But the whole thing was as I'd have ideas and suggestions about how this way that it could be done and Charlie would always be really gracious with me. He would say, why don't we try it this way instead? He wouldn't say, that's a terrible idea, you're going to crack your engine cases. He would say, why don't we try it this way? And afterward, I could always see that having Charlie with me was the right way to go. This bike, it goes about 60 miles per hour, and at, you know, at 60 miles per hour, you really want it to work right, uh, so that you will live and not die is one reason, but also uh, so that your work will not be in vain, and so that this project that you can go along with, I counted on Charlie's wisdom, on his expertise. So pray with me, and then we'll jump into our text. Father, we thank you so much that you walk with us, and that you offer this great gift. The gift to choose you. The gift to lean on your expertise. The gift to not rely on our own understanding, but to count on your infinite understanding. We thank you, Lord, for the ways we get to walk with you. Amen. So Deuteronomy is the last book of the Torah, so Deuteronomy is coming to a close as we've been going through this series, we're coming to the end of it, which means we're coming to the end of Deuteronomy, we're also coming to the end of the Torah, we're also coming to the end of the words of Moses as he shares them with his community before they go into the promised land. There's this transition season that they're in, the wilderness season is closing up. This new season of Promised Land is going to begin. We've learned through these weeks in Deuteronomy of God's rescue. We've also learned about how God wants us to respond, what it's like to live holy before a holy God. We've gained an understanding that we are chosen and that we've been given a new way to live, acknowledging that we have a new Lord and King and that we have the opportunity to walk with Him, and that with him there's nothing to fear. So last week we learned that there can also be different outcomes, different consequences based on the things that we choose. God has rescued Israel, He's carried them through the desert, and now He's offering them something new. He's offering them the freedom to choose. You don't have to go with me. It's an offer. It's our decision. God is asking, will you go with me? Will it be my way? Or will it be your way? It's up to you. Deuteronomy 30 says this in verses 19 and 20. says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. Israel, you are about to enter into a new land. Will you go with me? Or will you go without me? Now God is not only laying out two options. He's also giving a look at who he is. How he's unique to Israel's neighbors. How he's unique to the gods of Israel's neighbors. Their neighbors believed in God's who created humanity to be their slaves. There's actually, a uh, archaeologists have found, scholars have found, that written around the same time, potentially as the origin stories that we call Genesis and we call the Torah, was another one written by the Babylonians called the Enuma Elish. And it's a Babylonian origin story, and this comes from over 2,600 years ago. It's likely to have been written around the same time as the Torah. Now the gods of the Enuma Elish, they needed to be appeased. It was a give me what I demand and I'll give you what you need relationship. In other words, if you didn't get enough rain and you ended up with a poor harvest, you should do more or you should give more so your gods will bless you next year. You might imagine how this kind of thinking can escalate. Poor harvest after poor harvest, and you just keep giving more, giving more, giving more. The sacrificial systems got quite polluted in those systems, in those, in those nations. So I want to caution you at this stage in Deuteronomy, because if we're not careful, we can very much in, interpret Deuteronomy this way. If I do right things, I'll get blessed. But this way of thinking can introduce a legalism that God didn't intend for us. This formula of Christian living can radically break down, because what happens when you've given all you've got to please your God, and things go incredibly wrong? And we know that that is a possibility. In this section of Deuteronomy, Yahweh He's not promising a struggle-free life blessing and comfortable aren't always the same thing. God is inviting you to walk through life, through the terrain, even the rocky parts, the highs and the lows, with him. We're encouraged to hold fast to him at the end of that passage of scripture. But it's our choice to. So there's this concept that's been debated by philosophers for centuries. It's this concept of free will. Everyone from Aristotle to Plato to Kant have deliberated about the idea to great lengths. Well, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy calls it the power of self-determination. Kind of this idea you get to choose. Well, today as we look at our shelves of remembrance for this Deuteronomy series, I chose a road sign. That there's two ways to go, it's a fork in the road, it signifies a gift that we've been given by God, and that gift is the ability to choose Him or not, to go with Him or to go without Him. Now, free will gives us the potential for distance from God. But it also gives us the potential for residence with God, that he is with me, that there's an intimacy in that relationship that I hear him and I know he hears me. PCC, I want you to hear this. God doesn't love you because of the choices you make. That's legalism. That's Babylonian. He gives you a choice because he loves you. That's Yahweh. So PCC, we are here. We are at this fork in the road. Like the kiosk map in the shopping mall that has that red dot that says, you are here. It tells us where we are. We know that we are a church in transition. Familiarity is repeatedly being compromised. We see this in the changes that we've had to endure from a pandemic. We've seen this in the state changes that we've seen in our staff. Familiarity is repeatedly threatened, and it's being replaced with change, new things. We're at a place of reevaluation, and that is a fork in the road. Every week I'm having conversations with PCCers that are talking about all of these changes what's going on, where's it going, how, you know. I, is this going to come back? Is that going to come back? And my encouragement to them is to be patient. Hold on to the Lord. In that same phrase, hold fast to him. There's parts where the terrain gets rocky. There's parts where it's smoother, but there's parts where it's rocky. And in that, it isn't that the Lord is existent. It's that we just go with him instead of going our own way. Like Israel, we are not out of the wilderness yet. So change is hard, but in the change, we also have the opportunity to follow the Holy Spirit. And He's taking us into a land that we haven't seen. A new PCC. That's guaranteed. Following the Holy Spirit is one of our values here at PCC. It's part of who we are. Following the Holy Spirit... For our church, while it's changing, when we can't control all the ups and downs, is going to be imperative. Pandemic changed so many things for church. It changed so many things for our lives. A lot of things are coming, and they feel like they're coming kind of fast. Familiarity is lost. Our most important choice, though, is to determine who we are going to go with. So I want to hold fast to the Lord and trust Him that PCC is going to be even better than it was before. Now here on this sign is something really beautiful in this text. It says, along with this gift of free will that we've been given, chapter 30 of Deuteronomy brings out something really beautiful. It says essentially that somehow if you've chosen the wrong way, that there will be opportunities that you can come back to the fork to choose the right way. This is the beautiful gift. It's here in Deuteronomy 30, verse 2. And it says, When you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey Him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. Like Israel, there's sometimes that we're going to choose to go the wrong way individually, corporately, all of us. That's inevitable. But God is gracious in allowing us to reevaluate. He says, You can come back to the fork, to rethink our choices. We will inevitably make mistakes, and like we learned last week, there will be consequences, and the consequences are real. But thank God there's a way to be restored. There's a parable that Jesus tells in the Gospels, and we know it as the prodigal son. And it's a story of a son who goes his own way and a father who waits and watches and seeks and looks for him every day. That maybe his son will come back. He'll find his way back to the fork. You'll never be too far away from the father that he won't stop looking for you. That he won't stop. He won't stop looking for you. That he longs to be reunited to remind you that your royalty reminds you that you are a child of God that you are chosen that there is nothing to fear with him and to place you back into the place of life and blessing so i want to close just with this story i was fishing with friends we were in costa rica and a friend of mine, he owned a tackle business and he had brought all of these uh, these fishing poles and reels. And we went down to the beach and you could actually see the fish thrashing in the water. Now for a fisherman, for those of you that are fishermen, there's like this fish fever that happens when you see that. You get pretty pumped up. You, like, you're thinking like, oh, I going to get one. I got to get one of those things. Well, these fish, they're called rooster fish. If you could see the dorsal fins on those, they stick up and like ribbons. And we walked to the beach and I could see these fish and they were threshing in the water and I could see those ribbons just poking out of the top of the water. And I got so excited. So my friend, he reached into his, his big duffel bag and he pulled out fishing poles and fishing rods and he handed one to each of us, uh, the three guys, the three of us that were there and he handed me this reel and he said, you know how to use this reel, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. And this particular reel, you have to use it a certain way. It's called a bait caster. And if you don't use your thumb in a certain way, the consequences are really negative. Well, I was so excited about fishing, so excited about what I saw before me, the temptation of those fish just thrilled to catch one, that I actually ran out And I went and I casted it, and I was thinking like, "Oh, it landed in the perfect spot," but I didn't do the reel right. And when I went to go reel it for the first time, the thing just turned; the string just went everywhere. It looked like a bird had made a nest on top of the fishing reel, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's not gonna that's not gonna work." But I remember what happened when I went back to my friend. You know, he was down the beach a little ways, and I walked over, a walk of shame, over to my friend. He said, I thought you knew what you were doing. And I said, I thought I did too. I thought you had it figured out, and I thought I did too. I Kind of went my own way on that one. And he took the reel from me and the pole from me, and I didn't know what he would do. He walked me over to the duffel bag and he pulled out another one. One that what didn't have a bird's nest on it. He handed it to me and he, said, he showed me how to use it. I said, go fish. I think our walks are a little bit that way. God gives us this grace to return. When I find myself on the wrong way, I can come back to him. walk of shame maybe a little bit we put on ourselves not so much from the Lord he gives us an opportunity to go again you can do this I believe in you your royalty I jokingly uh, called this story during the week Jesus take the Real. <laughs> thanks to Carrie Underwood <laughs> I wish I had listened in the first place, but failure can be a really good thing as it forces us to reevaluate. It forces us back to the fork. It forces us to consider changing our course. Oftentimes, success can work in the opposite direction. If success is going well, if you're going the wrong direction and you're having success, maybe that's not such a good thing. I don't want to determine it by success. I want to determine it by what the Lord is saying to choose a new way the way he's calling me into so there's one more blessing in this passage for those of us that walk with the Lord and it's this Holy Spirit that walks with us that it's God's presence that goes along in our journey that we can look ahead to the writings of the prophet Isaiah when Israel had gone the wrong way common to many of the prophets the 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 word that they had, the message that they brought to the people of Israel was this message that said, turn around. You guys are going the wrong way. Come back to the fork. Come back to the Lord. And in Isaiah thirty twenty-one, it says this. This is what he's saying. As Israel, if Israel will come back, this is what it will look like. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Now How great is that? On a personal level, I need that. The comfort of knowing that I have a guide that walks with me, a person that gives me the direction for each fork in the road that I run into, a God that actually will tell me, this is the way. Walk in it. I don't want to lose that presence. I want to keep that with me all the time. I think corporately, PCC, we need that. What road have you been on? Have we been trusting in a familiarity? Will we trust in the Lord going forward? Will we count on a God who knows what he's doing? Will we count on a God who sees me? We count on a God who waits for me, who looks for me, wants to talk to me, will be a small voice in my life to guide me that I can let go of knowing what tomorrow looks like because I know who I walk with. I'd like to invite the band to come back up. What would it look like to surrender it all and listen? This is the way, PCC, walk in it. Just like my friend Charlie's suggestion. Why don't we try it this way? Why don't we do this instead? Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.